Welcome to Invested Parenting Podcast. I'm Holly Anderson, mother of four. Each week we'll be sharing experiences from real parents and advice from experts on parenting children ages zero through nine. Thank you for being a truly invested parent. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited because today we have Chantal Turner with us. She's an amazing woman who has an amazing story, and she's going to share that with us today. So Chantel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course, I would love to. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be on the podcast. And so um, I'm Chantel Turner, and I founded Stronger Mommy. What Stronger Mommy does is we empower moms who have kids with special needs to live a life beyond limits. We do that by helping them get the resources, services, support, and community that they need. And the reason that Stronger Mommy came to be is because I actually have a daughter with special needs, and she's five. And so I um, actually was very fortunate. I had a great pregnancy. She's our only daughter, went into labor. And during labor, there were some complications. Um, her heart rate was dropping out. Things were going wrong. So they did an emergency C-section. They got her out. And then they said she was fine. Her APGAR scores were good. They said she was great. They gave her to us. And for a couple hours, we were this blissfully happy new family. But her temperature was low. Her heart rate was low. Her blood sugar was low. And so they took her over to the nursery to try and warm her up. And during that time, her normal PCP did his rounds. They check in on the babies. And he looked at her and he says, I don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong with this baby. Take her to the NICU. And within a couple minutes of her being up in the NICU, she actually had two apneic episodes. She stopped breathing. She turned blue. We were very fortunate that she was already up in the NICU and they were able to revive her right away. But of course, now they had to figure out why is this brand new baby that's, you know, looks good, seems good, having these apneic episodes. It took about three days. They did um, CTs and EEGs and MRIs, and um, she was having seizures, which they had to figure out why. And eventually, um, we did the MRI, and the neurologist came into our room. My husband and I were sitting on our bed. My um, little girl was still up in the NICU. Her name's Kiara, and my parents were in the room. And the neurologist opens up this, this red folder, and it's a picture of her brain scan, picture of the MRI. And he circles this real dark spot. And he says, do you see this real dark spot right here in the middle of her brain? Well, that portion of your child's brain is dead. Oh my gosh. And it was really hard to process, right? How do you, yeah. how do you process that information? He said she had a middle cerebral artery stroke, which I didn't even know babies could have strokes. And that that portion of her brain was dead, that she would have cerebral palsy for the rest of her life. He could not give us a prognosis as to what kind of life she might have. He went on to physically act out what someone with severe cerebral palsy might look like as they function in life, um, which was very traumatizing. We actually don't see that yeah, neurologist really anymore. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, really, it was really emotional. Um, and, uh, and we spent 11 days in the NICU, which for some moms is a small blip on a, you know, they've spent a lot longer. Um, but that 11 days was very hard on us. We had all of these overwhelming things happening. We were new parents. We didn't even know how to be parents, let alone parents of a child with special needs. Um, we didn't know anyone who had special needs. We, we were not connected in any way to anyone in our community. And the hospital kept saying with the social workers and stuff, we're going we're gonna to apply for this for you. We're going to apply for this for you. Here's all these things. And we left that hospital 11 days later with a beautiful baby girl, a mountain of paperwork, a ton of medication, and a bunch of questions. And six months down the road, I woke up and realized nobody applied for anything. 
whatever it was that they said they were applying for, we weren't getting. We were drowning under a massive pile of medical bills, even though my husband and I had great jobs and great insurance, it just is not covered. And, um, and I had to figure things out. And so that's what I did. I set to work and I really started to figure out what she needed, um, got her into the right doctors, got her into the right therapist, got her um, you know, on some state coverage, some support financially as well, all of that kind of stuff. And um, at five, she is not the same person that they thought that she would be based on her brain scans. They are constantly amazed when we take her to the doctor that she is doing as well as she is. Um, she didn't walk till she was two and a half, but today she runs, she goes up and down stairs, she climbs over things. Um, you know, she, she is in a, a mainstream kindergarten classroom. She has her challenges, <laughs> she struggles, um, but she's doing amazingly well. And because we were able to get her that support. So Stronger Mommy was founded because there's so many other moms who can relate to that journey that I was on, whether it's just finding out. Um, but you, whenever you get that news, there's this overwhelming, what do I do? How do I get what I need? what's even available. Um, and so that's the gap that we love to fill is to really be able to support the relationships that you have with your, you know, with your family, with yourself, with your child, um, to get them the services and to, to be able to, you know, live a life beyond limits. Yeah. Well, that is an amazing story. It's beautiful. Um, I, I love hearing people's stories. It just comes from their heart. And I feel like we get to know you so fast with that story. Like I feel like I've just connected with you in so many different ways. <laughs> just hearing yeah. your story and hearing that struggle and how you're dealing with it, how you're like what you said, living a life without limits. I think that's beautiful. That's awesome. And the, the first thing I want to talk about is about communication. So, you know, parents with special needs obviously have to communicate with lots of people. They have to communicate with doctors, with special needs workers and teachers. So what tips do you have to help parents advocate for their children? So the biggest thing I would say is it's kind of funny. Um, probably, so my daughter's only five, so it was well before she was born. I want to say maybe 10 plus years ago, I read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And as a parent, if you haven't read it, um, it's, it's more for entrepreneurs, but it's totally like it should be a parenting book and everyone should <laughs> go read it because um, even though it won't tell you at all how to parent a child, it tells you how to effectively communicate with those around you. And it's been my guide in how I deal with situations. So um, something that's been a blessing in that, that all parents, especially when you're dealing special needs, sometimes we want to push and it's important that we are that squeaky wheel because um, unfortunately, if you're not constantly on top of things, pushing forward, um, demanding that your child get what they need, they won't. And that's just the way that it is. It's getting better. Um, but we do. It's a, it's a ton of battles all the time. Um, knowing not just when to fight, but how to fight in a way that doesn't put the other person on the defensive is something that I learned from that book. Uh, and it's something that's been a guiding force for me. So being able to, you know, effective communication is not necessarily, it is getting across what you want, right? What you mean to get across, because sometimes our, our words get crossed and the, the wrong thing gets said. But it's also about getting the person that you're talking to, that you're communicating with, to hear what you're saying. And that's what's really important. And so Every time when, I'm, when I think about, okay, I've got to call this doctor and I've got to get them to do something for me, or I've got to call the school, or I've got to go to this meeting, um, I, am all, I am like the person that starts out in the, I want to be in the best mood. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to try and be the most personable person. I want to be that person that you want to help. Because if you come off on the defensive, no matter how upset you are, no matter what 
what situation you're in, you put that other person on the defensive as well. And they're so much less likely to want to help you. But if you say things in a way, like I always go at with my situation. So a great example is um, right now, my daughter's in mainstream kindergarten. We have an IEP. Um, she's having a lot of behavioral challenges and her teacher's amazing. She's doing a ton of stuff to try and work one-on-one -on -one with her as much as she can, but the teacher has 25 students. And so every time I approach a conversation, an IEP meeting, whatever, with the teacher, with the school, I do talk about my daughter. I do talk about making sure that she gets what she needs. But I also talk about how I all, am I aware that her behaviors are also disrupting the classroom environment for the other kids. So I'm able to show them that I already see both sides. So they don't feel like they have to fight for the other half. It puts them on this accepting level. And anytime you can do that with a teacher, with a, with a doctor, with a spouse, where you can already show them that you're seeing their side of a situation before they feel like they have to bring it up and be on the defensive, they're just so much more receptive because it comes from a place of like, oh, you're trying to help me, right? We all want, unfortunately, <laughs> as, as humans, we're all very self-centered. We all want the conversation to be about us. We want our outcomes to be recognized. Um, when you can recognize them from the get-go, when you can be open and understanding and you can try to find a balance, you're so much more likely to get your way. So if you haven't read that book, um, it's really, it really dives into how to have a conversation from that point of view where you are getting what you want, but you're doing it in a way that the other person feels like they've won the, the argument. Um, so that's been a huge thing when you're, you know, when it comes to communicating with others, it's been really successful. Yeah, I really like that advice. It's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that book because we have it, but I've never read it. <laughs> it should be your next read. like a book my husband had to, I think while he was getting his master's degree, he was like, oh, I have to read this book or whatever, but then he liked it. So we kept all of his, you know, his business books and stuff that he, that he ended up liking, but maybe I should pick that one up. It's an interesting title. I think people feel like, oh, I don't want to influence people and I don't want to win friends. It's, it's not, not like about that. changing who you are. It's not about winning people. Like it's about winning somebody over um, in the way that you communicate. Um, yeah. I think the title's a bit misleading, but it's definitely worth a read. Or for me, I, I like to listen to books like that, so it's worth a listen. Yeah, I listen to every book. That's <laughs> the only way to do it as a parent with special needs kids, or as a parent, just yeah, for sure. So I love what you said about how you say, like before you talk about the things that you need, and believe me, special needs parents, we need a lot. <laughs> we need it, and we need it now. But before you go onto that, you let them know that you see their side. You say, this is definitely a problem. I can see how this is a problem and how it's affecting the other kids. Let's work together. How can we help you know, your child? How can we do that? And one thing that I've learned is just more questions, more questions. When is, is, the, is the best way for me to get what I want in an IEP meeting is I just ask them questions. And I assume that they know everything, like, and not really, not like deep down because I know that they, that I know my child better. But what I do is the way I talk, I just pretend like they're so smart and they're just, I mean, they are, they're the professionals. And so, but they can see that they can see that I respect them. And then because of that respect that I show them, and I ask them questions like, what, through your experience, what kind of goal would you feel would be, you know, really necessary and really effective in this thing? And I get all their ideas. And then me as a parent, I get to choose which one to do. I'm like, I really like your idea. <laughs> but they're their ideas, right? I don't just come and say, this is what I want. This is my idea. I ask them what their ideas are. I get a ton of ideas and say, okay, 
when we're talking about, you know, functionality, when we're talking about speech, I get like four or five different ideas. It's awesome. And I go, I really like, I really like her idea though. <laughs> I really like that person's idea. And especially with my son with autism, he has apraxia, which is a planning disorder where he plans on saying something, but then he says something different. It's extremely frustrating. And so you can imagine the behavior problems that come just from that because he can't communicate and things like that. And even sign language, it's really hard for him. And so whenever, whenever I go to an IEP meeting, yeah, there are like 10 people there <laughs> and they're all just like, I mean, it's so long, two and a half hours, three hours for these IEP meetings. And I always bring donuts <laughs> and gluten-free donuts just in case anyone's gluten-free. And I'm just like, this is going to be a party. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I want all of your guys' ideas. I'm so excited. We have so many amazing people from, you know, with all of these degrees. I mean, you guys have a lot of degrees. You put them together. That's my personality, right? And so I want to come across that I appreciate them, that I love them because they're spending a lot of time with my son and I want them to love my son, right? And so just bringing that off. But I, I love what you said. You have a lot of really good comments. So I really appreciate that. I'm totally the parent that every time the teacher puts something on the, like the want or need list, I'm like, oh, I'll buy it. <laughs> I, I'm the, I'm the, let me support your classroom out of guilt that my child probably acts up more than the rest of the kid's parent. Um, but the teacher recognizes that. And I think it's in any situation, whether it's in a classroom, at the doctor's office, with your significant other at home, um, or when we're talking in-laws, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's about recognizing the hardships that the other person is going through and saying, I see you. Because that's all anybody wants is to be recognized that like, it's yeah. not greener on the other side of the fence. And so when you can come from that point of view of just saying, I see you, I see what you're going through. I want to find a way that together we can make both of our situations better. Um, everyone is so much more receptive to that because we all just want to be recognized for the struggles that we're all going through. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very poignant. You said something that's really intrigued me. So I want you to kind of talk about it and explain it a little bit to our listeners on this podcast. You mentioned that you don't really like the word disabilities. You wish that we could kind of switch it to different abilities. So please expound on that. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's interesting. The more that I'm part of the special needs community, the more you see, and in general, no matter what you're a part of, you can see how easily offended everyone is by everything, right? So like 2018, yeah. I think, was the year of being offended. Um, <laughs> like everyone's just, you've offended me. And so some people hate the word disabilities. Some people think that disabilities is really important. Um, some people hate the word special needs. I recently, maybe in the last year, learned and I honestly didn't know, but I used to say, oh yes, my daughter um, has special needs. And a lot of people take offense to that because it's not something that she has. So now it's, um, she is a child with special needs. So there's, you know, all these little, right? There's these little idioms, little words that mean so much to some and so little to others. Um, I'm very unoffendable. So that's probably why it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Um, but when it comes to disabilities, it's, it's a challenging word because when we're talking about getting the services, the support, the things that we need for our kids, um, you honestly have to have these labels, these disabilities, and you need that word because that's what gets you the services. When we first got the label that my daughter was gonna have cerebral palsy and be labeled with CP, it was hard to process, to accept, to mean autism or any of that, right? Like ADHD, it's just hard to accept the label. But what I've learned over time is that the label will never define who she is or what she can do with her life. It will only give her the support and services that can help her grow 
to be so much more than the label. And so that's what it's about for me. If a label, if having the word CP on her diagnosis means that I get access to almost everything, it's kind of like the golden diagnosis. It's almost right up there with Down syndrome. Like you kind of get everything. So I, bring it on, give me the label. Like if having, you know, sometimes I almost wish we had an autism label because we have a lot of behavior challenges and I would love to get ABA services, but unless you have an autism label, it's really hard. So, so many people put so much emphasis on these labels and they, um, it's hard for family to accept. It's hard for spouses to accept a lot of times. Don't, so I don't look at the label. So when we talk about disabilities, I look at them as different abilities. So while my daughter may never be able to be a professional dancer, she has the most kind, sweet, amazing heart. She has more love in her than I see in most adults. She just truly love, like she will hug and kiss uh, inanimate objects when she's feeling, you know, something towards them. Um, she is, she is so thoughtful and so kind in ways that other people, other humans just don't have the ability to be. She's the reason that I'm a better human being because I get to be that for her. And so, you know, when I look at a child um, that, that has maybe, you know, maybe they, they have autism and they're, they have no speech, um, you know, they're nonverbal or whatever, like, but they're so smart. And there are things creatively that they can think about in the way that they see the world is so different than the way that we see the world and they have the amazing ability to discover things that somebody else will never see and so um down syndrome like if you ever spend time with a child with down syndrome or or even an adult like they just see the world as this amazingly positive beautiful place for the most part they don't see all the bad and the negative and that their brains just don't see it and i would love to live in a world where i only saw the good things could you imagine what an amazing life that must be to live where you look out, where you wake up every single day and you see all the beauty in the world instead of all the sadness, all the negativity. And so when I talk about different abilities instead of disabilities, all kids are different. And I really try and teach whenever I come into contact with other kids that say, oh, well, your child's different. Like you, you're different too. Like what are the ways what are the different things that you can do that your friends can't do? Some kids can play piano and some kids are really good at soccer and some kids can jump super high, right? Like we all have a different ability. And so it's also why I called stronger mommy, stronger mommy. It doesn't make us better, especially as parents. We're, we just have to be stronger for our kids. We're just stronger. We're different. Um, and so that's what it's all about is being, you know, finding the ways that we're different and elevating them and highlighting them and, and falling in love with the differences that we all have instead of seeing it as a, as a disadvantage. I love that. I remember when I first held my first son, he was born with a cleft lip, cleft palate, and club feet. Say that three times fast. <laughs> I'm grateful that we knew about it before he was born so I could kind of prepare and figure out doctors. And I mean, they were all ready. We were like all standing there like, when is this baby coming out? Because we've got lots of social workers and all this stuff. And, and but when I held him for the first time, I just felt like I felt scared. I just felt scared because honestly, if you look at a baby with a cleft lip and cleft palate, as big as his, it's not fixed yet. You know, he hasn't had any surgeries yet. It was really scary <laughs> and it was really intimidating. And I just like, man, am I on, on my own with this? Right. And my first thought was I need to be strong for him. I need to be the one who teaches him of his potential 
so that he looks in the mirror and he sees amazing potential. He doesn't see what, what the other kindergartner told him, you know, about himself. He doesn't see that. He doesn't see what the bully said the other day. He sees what his mom sees. And, and that's amazing potential. And now, like, he's a super reader. <laughs> he's always reading a book. I love that you shared that about your daughter and how she's just so loving and caring. And there's a lot of people, I'm sure, who are very blessed because she's in their life, because she teaches them that. So I think that's awesome. She okay. does, and she can light up a room. And um, like you said, you talked about gratitude, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking about how grateful I am. And so, you know, I think especially as parents, we hear this a lot. We hear, I'm sorry right? You tell somebody, oh, my child has cerebral palsy. My child had, you know, had to have all these surgeries because of the cleft palate and the cleft lip. My child has autism. And the first people don't know what to say. So they say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm not, and like, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not like, do I wish that my child didn't have a stroke when she was born? Of course, but I can't imagine the, the person that she wouldn't be. And so, yes, you lose that child that you thought you were going to have, uh, but you also gain someone that's so different and so much better. And I wouldn't want to change anything about her because I don't know what I would lose. And so every single day I get to be grateful that with everything we've gone through, we took our daughter home. I have a daughter. Some people don't, right? We spent three months in the hospital, um, right near Christmas about a year after she was born because she was having some real severe seizures, but we didn't spend Christmas in the hospital. And so I was so grateful for that because we were on the same floor as all the kids in renal failure and those parents that would have to say goodbye to their kids. And so every single day, I spend time thinking about how grateful I am. I'm grateful that she's in kindergarten, that she can go to kindergarten, right? That she's, that she's five, that she can walk. I'm so grateful for all the things that we have. And I think when you can think of life in that way, in that terms of gratitude, um, it is those different abilities that help you be more grateful and, and to really just say, you know what? I am lucky that this child's in my life because I'm a better person. She makes me better and she makes the people around her better. Yeah, that's awesome. It is when you first get that diagnosis, when you first find out, I think that it's healthy to have a grieving period. I don't think we should feel guilty about that at all. Definitely because, not. Because it's changed. I mean, your expectation and your plan has changed. <laughs> and so I think it's totally healthy and we shouldn't feel shame as parents to have a grieving period, you know, have a time and it might come up later and might feel it again. Um, especially with those milestones that they may not hit and everyone else is hitting. Them. I grieve often. <laughs> and the, and it's, I think it's healthy to be able to have that grieving period and then kind of rise above it at different points of our lives. And like what you said is find that grateful just mindset, you know, and that is a choice. And sometimes that's really hard, but it, it's so important for us not to feel guilty, not to feel shameful of this diagnosis because like what you said, like, what if she didn't have that experience? What if she was a normal, typical kid? What would you lose? What would change, right? And, and what other challenges will we face, honestly? Like, the, I, um, I recently talked to a mom who was feeling her, both of her children um, have, um, like, immune deficiency challenges. And so they, they can't go to, like, Disneyland or big public places because they could get very sick and, and very ill. Wow. Um, and she was grieving, right? So we talked about the grieving process and she was grieving that all these other kids get to go to like Disneyland and do these fun things. And she can't take her kids to do stuff like that. And we all, I, I call it an emotional roller coaster of being a special needs parent because we go through these, like, um, you know, we're at the park and we're like, oh, that, that's cool that those other kids 
kids that are half my kid's age can go do things that my kid can't do, right? We're always comparing. They tell us not to. It's just part of life. We compare, accept it. <laughs> but, you know, you know, and she's like, I just feel so bad. Like, I feel like I'm depriving my kids of this piece of their lives because I can't take them to an amusement park. And I said, you know what? The parent, the, like the majority of parents that are taking their kids to the amusement park, they're probably also working full time. They're never around their kids. They're, you know, they, their kids don't probably get to spend a lot of time with them. Think about all the time that you get to spend with your kids. So it's so easy to say, well, I'm missing out on something and it is so easy to grieve. But even if she had been mainstream, I'm sure that we would have faced other challenges. We all go through, you know, it's that, that grass is never greener on the other side. Um, it's, it's so easy to look and see somebody else's situation and think, gosh, it would be nice to be in that situation, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, it's, it's good to remember while we are grieving um, and that it is good to, to go through that process. It's good to remember that it's probably not perfect over there either. Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. And I have one last question for you. So for those parents who are just finding out about a diagnosis, whether, whether their child's 10 years old and they're like, what, my child has autism? I did not see that coming. Or whether they just had a newborn and they have all these different issues things that are really new to them that they were not expecting. What advice with all of your experience and, you know, the people that you helped through your movement, a stronger mommy, what advice do you have for a new parent? So one of the things I actually developed was what I call my new parent battle plan. And it's exactly for parents just like that. And I actually want to give it to all of your listeners as a totally free gift, just to say like, if that's you, if you're going either, I just had a kid and, and now all of these things are falling in my lap or, you know, your child's five or 10 or whatever. And you're just finding out all these things you didn't see coming and you feel blindsided. That's exactly what it's for. Um, and it's really, there's five pieces that can kind of help you kind of get your brain wrapped around it all, get back on track. So the, the first one, the biggest one is start keeping records. And it sounds like, well, of course I would, but when you're in the throw of this new thing, there's a ton of paperwork and there's all these doctors and medications and changes. And all of a sudden, if you try to start catching back up on that paperwork and records later, it's a mess. And so I do a big binder, right? Each tab of the binder is going to be for a different type of diagnosis, different doctor, different medication. Um, and just keep that record, get everything the hospitals will print out for you. Um, keep your records and keep it in order because unfortunately <laughs> you're going to start attending a lot of meetings. You're going to go to IEP meetings and you're going to go to, you know, here in Arizona, we have DDD, which is the Department of Developmental Disabilities. A lot of states have that. Um, they come to our home every three months and we have a meeting like you're gonna you're gonna have doctors that want to know what the other doctors said and all of a sudden you're gonna be lost and so if you can just start getting organized now and keeping those records it will make your life a thousand times easier um, and it will take a lot of weight off your shoulders so it's and it's a good thing to focus on and say okay cool I just need to get organized it's a great place to start um, the second one find out what services are available unfortunately not no one in the government, whether it's in your state or at the federal level is going to say, Hey, here's a bunch of things we want to pay for, for you. They just don't do it. Right. Because if they tell you they have to pay. And so, um, it's really important to do some research yourself or to find someone um, who can help. So again, I know a lot about Arizona cause I live here, but in, a, um, in Arizona, we have what they call raising special kids. And so it's an organization of parents who actually help you figure out what services are available. Um, if you, whatever state you're in, you can go and type in like your state name and then division of developmental disabilities. It's often called something else, but that search in Google will pull up 
the right thing. And you'll be able to find what services are available in your state. Never think, oh, I can't, like we make too much money. Because a lot of times the state services especially will go off your child's income, which as a child for the most part is zero, <laughs> um, instead of your income. So while my husband and I had great jobs, we were actually still able to get a ton of services and support for our daughter because Arizona bases off her income. Now at the government level, there's support as well. And so it's important that you're doing that research, that you're asking your doctors what's available, that you're asking your therapist, hey, do you know of any services? What kind of services are available? Different types of therapies. Start looking because if you don't know, it's so much harder to catch up later and it's way easier if you start right away. Um, number three is support groups. This is so, so, so important. Tie yourself into the community, into the special needs community. There are other people that are on this journey with you. You are not alone, no matter how alone you feel. And when you can be a part of a group, whether it's online, whether it's in person, have somebody that goes, that when you can get into a community like that, that's a judgment-free zone, it just opens up this weight that comes off your shoulders. And it helps you realize how to communicate with mainstream people as well by being in a community where you are supported by your special needs community. So finding that community, um, you know, those support groups, local, online, all of that is super important. Uh, number four, books. <laughs> books and, um, and blogs and resources and podcasts and just like content binge as much as you can because you're going to read a thing, you're going to hear something that's going to spark an idea um, that's going to help you get that much closer to the next thing, whether it's, you know, some new trial or some new piece of research or, you know, some new diet, there's always something and it's not going to work for every kid. It's not going to work every time for your situation, but sometimes it is going to be that miracle piece. Taking out gluten might be the thing that changes your, you know, how your child functions. Um, a lot of autism, you know, especially gluten is a is a factor for that and you would think well why does gut health matter but it really does you know pre and probiotics and um caffeine for some kids you know they say don't give kids caffeine but for some kids caffeine is what like zends them out and brings them back into normal range and so it's about you know being open to that that information that's out there so finding it reading it having discussions with your physician all of that kind of stuff and then the big one the, the final number five is to talk with friends and family and so um, friends and family are, they're important and you need them. Um, I have two very close friends that are both mainstream moms. Um, but because of how I developed that friendship, because of some of the communication we talked about earlier about being able to see both sides of the situation and all of that. Um, I have a friend, actually, my daughter was having a meltdown. My friend was supposed to come over and have a glass of wine with me that night because I, I can't go out very often. So um, my husband works 80% of the year out of town. So it's just me. Um, so I have people come to me. I don't care that my house is a mess. Like, you're just going to accept that. <laughs> Our houses are all a mess. And they come and they have a glass of wine. And so she was coming and my daughter's having a meltdown. And I was literally like bear hug wrapped around her trying to calm her down. And I get this text from my friend and it says, um, I'm here, but if you want, I can come back when you're done murdering your child. And I know she was joking, right? But that's what it had to have sounded like outside my front door as she's standing there. And she stood there for 15 minutes and I knew that she would. And when you can build a community of support around you of people that can accept what you're going through, don't, aren't looking, you know, when you have to tell people, like, I'm not looking for you to solve my problem. I just need you to accept that this is the life that I'm on and, and be there for me. And that's friends and that's family. And, you know, family, the more hurt they are by a diagnosis, the more they try to push it away. It's because it feels like a slight against them as much as they don't want it to. And they don't realize that's part of our blood, right? Like well, that's your parent and they're pushing against an autism diagnosis, they feel deep down inside like somehow part of their blood is part of that. 
And it's like, did I, you know, like, as much as you don't want to admit it, did part of me cause that? I carried my daughter to term, right? Did I cause her cerebral palsy? Of course not. I didn't do anything wrong. I followed all the rules. It wasn't my fault. But we push against it because we try to separate ourselves to protect ourselves. And so when you can bring your friends and family in from the beginning, you can develop those relationships. You can help them understand that you're not sorry, that they don't need to apologize, that they don't need to try and fix it, that they just need to support you and you'll let them know how and when. And then you have to be open to saying, hey, I need somebody's help right now. Because that's the other big piece of it is you can't do it alone. And so you have to be willing to say, here's what I need from you because people don't know how to help. And so when we don't know how to help, the biggest thing that we do is we pull away because we're like, I don't know what to do, but they want to help. And if you tell them, here's what I need, they're so eager to do it because now they have a purpose and now they know that's exactly what you need. Yeah. And that, that makes total sense. And if you're going to try to do it alone, just, I just want to tell you, you don't have to, you don't have to be alone on this. This is, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough to be a parent, no matter what kind of child you got, no matter what. Um, and then with those special needs and those, you know, your expectations of the kind of child you thought you were going to get, you might be a little disappointed at first, but I promise you just coming from a mom with four kids and three of them have special needs. One's totally nonverbal. Those special kids are unique and they are sent to you and they can teach you so much more, so much more. And you can learn and become a better person and become a stronger mommy because of them. And we can be there for them. We can be their advocates. When I was in college, I remember I had a really hard time with any kind of contention or confrontation. I just, you know, with roommates or whatever situation with a teacher, I remember a teacher gave me a bad grade. And I remember I really had a good point on why I should have, get a, should have maybe gotten more points, but I did not want to talk to him. I'm like, no, no confrontation. And that's kind of how I was all growing up. Um, but as soon as I started having my special needs kids, I was like, you listen up. <laughs> we are having this conversation, right? And that, that has really helped me to just stand up and be braver. And so whatever, you know, of course, everyone has their own story and their own personalities and things like that. But I just, I just want to tell anyone who's listening right now, just know that there are blessings and there is a joy that you can feel with your child there. And if you ever feel like you don't, that there's no blessings, that it's super hard, know that you're not alone in that. And that we can go through that grieving process and together we can help support each other. So thank you so much for all the amazing advice and the stories and the connection that, that I felt with you too. Um, I, I want to know, like, so some people are listening and they're like, man, how do I find out or connect with this stronger mommy? Where do they go to? How do they find you, Chantel? Yeah, so the, the best way to connect with me um, is through my Facebook group, Stronger Mommies, so the plural version, M-O-M-M-I-E-S, um, and it's a great community. It's about 2,700 other moms who are all on this special needs journey, and it's the place where you can feel safe. It's the place where you can talk about your child doing something absolutely crazy, um, all of that, so it's, it's the best way to connect with me. I'm in there every single day. I am answering questions. I'm supporting my moms. Um, I have a lot of moms that are very close to me there. So definitely a good place to find me. Um, and then as well as, um, I have a business page on Facebook. So, um, facebook.com slash stronger mommy. 
It's also a great place, tons of resources there, things like that um, is another good place to find me. Awesome. Great. And tell me a little bit more about your mommy empowerment programs that you have. Tell me about that. Yes. So something um, early on that I did when I realized, okay, I was getting all the things that I needed was there were probably other moms on this journey as well, right? Just starting out or even further along their journey and maybe just not getting the things that they need. Um, So I actually ran a survey to about 150 moms who had kids with special needs and said, you know, what are the biggest things that you need? And what are the biggest things you know now that you wish you knew sooner? And then I took those responses and I kind of like whittled them down to see what were the core pieces that would make a difference to a, a, you know, a mom who has a kid with special needs, who's just getting started or who's, you know, somewhere down that journey, but feeling a little bit lost. And so um, there were six main pieces and, and that kind of founded the mommy empowerment program. And it's all about um, building up the relationship with yourself, with your child, with your significant other, with your friends, with your family, with your community. It really focuses on relationships. Um, and we do that, you know, through these six modules, they cover, um, self-care. So taking care of ourselves is super important. You can't pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of you. And it's so, it seems counterintuitive because we're like, well, I'm doing everything I can for my kid. I I don't have time for me. We're always putting our kids first, especially I think as women in general, we do this, we're caretakers. Um, If you can't take care of you, if you burn out, if you lose that person that you were before you had a child with special needs, you build this ball of resentment. And as much as you try not to, the more that you give to somebody else without giving back to yourself, it turns into this black pit and you feel like there's no out, there's no answer, and you've lost this love that you had for life. And now you're just taking care of somebody else. You're just going through the motions. So the biggest thing is to focus on how do we take care of ourselves? Because when we care for us, we actually become way better caregivers for the people that are around us. We have much more patience. We're way happier. Life is just better. Um, we talk about finances and insurance. That's a big one. It's, a, it's kind of solving those problems that I talked about. How do you know what's even available to you? So we have a whole section where we cover like what's available, what kind of resources are even out there. Um, services and, and support is another one. Getting support from friends and family around you. That's that communication one. How do we communicate with others? Um, school. School's a big one. <laughs> it's a good chunk of your child's life. Handling the IEPs, handling ineffective teachers, all that kind of stuff. Medical care and respite, which is when we really get into how do we communicate with our doctors and our physicians and figuring out what's available. Um, if you don't know what respite care is, it's like the most amazing thing that could ever happen to, I think, any human being. It's like free babysitting was the best. <laughs> it's like babysitting on crack. Um, it's kind of like the best way that I can describe it. It's awesome. It's like a gift that, you're, that you can oftentimes get where you get a few minutes to be a sane uh, non-parent human being for just a little while and it can give you a break that you need and uh, ties back to that self-care and then kind of the what to do when. So all those situations where you're like, well, this is happening and I don't know what to do. And so those are kind of the six core pieces that that kind of encompass the Mommy Empowerment Program. Um, and it's something that as people go through, they realize, wow, now, now I have all of these resources that I need. I know where to get them. I know where to go. Um, and I know how to take care of myself. And all of a sudden you find when you do, when you fulfill all of those things, it's so much easier to be a parent, to be a parent who, have a ch- who has a child with special needs um, and to not feel like there is this black pit of despair in front of you, but to feel like life is actually pretty darn good when you, when you look at it. So that's what the Mommy Empowerment Program does. Awesome. Okay. And so where would I find that? Where would yeah, I find I mean, that program? 
I'll definitely get a link um, for your audience to be able to, and I'm actually, I'll do a discount for your audience. Um, just as being on the podcast, I love to, I love to work with other moms. I love to help them out. And I appreciate you having me on. So I'll set up a special link um, that'll be just for you. That'll have a discount for any of your listeners um, that can get that, I assume, from your show notes. Um, where awesome. they can go ahead and get a Thank special discount so just for them. And we, I'll get that link and I will put that in the comments of this podcast. So awesome. include that. Thank you so much. I wish I could just talk to you forever, <laughs> but we need to end this. So thank you for coming, Chantel. Thank you for all the connections we've made and all of the wise wisdom that we've learned from you. You're a wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much for your time and we will definitely stay connected. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on, Holly. I really appreciate it.